0: You're listening to Health Call Live, the area's only live local interactive radio hour devoted to you and your health watch the video live stream on the Health Call Facebook page and call us with your questions at 447- 1190 or toll free at 800-333- 1190. Here's your host, health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Well, good morning. So glad that you came back. Part of our little family of listeners here to Health Call Live. Uh, I hear from people around the country during the week sometimes and you know, the guy down in Florida listens to the show on the live stream while he's walking the dog or, or uh uh, the woman in North Carolina who is uh, taking us along as she's feeding her chickens. Uh, it's great that uh, folks are listening to us on the WoWo live stream. You can find that by just going to the WoWo webpage. And, of course, catch us on the podcast after the fact. Uh Always great to hear from people around the country. I'm really surprised at how this little audience has grown, and and glad to have you here each Saturday morning and hanging out with us. I want to start today with a topic that really deserves a little bit of a disclaimer. It's kind of a fair warning to anyone who might be uncomfortable thinking about about death and what happens after we die. We all have a decision to make, right? I'm one of those millions of people who have agreed to donate my eyes, heart, kidney, liver, whatever. Whatever is helpful to someone else, fine. But I've never really considered donating my entire body. So we're all sort of aware that body donation is an option, right? I mean, giving your body to science. We've heard that before. But what does it really mean? How does it work? Who does it help? What happens to my body during that process? So we're going to answer all those questions in this half hour. If that makes you uncomfortable, and you want to step away, I get it. No, no big deal. But the, uh, you're going to find it interesting, I think, to hear from Kelsey Byers from the anatomical education program at the IU School of Medicine. So again, if any of this is going to make you uncomfortable, hit that button. But I hope you will stay tuned and and be interested in learning how the process works and what makes donating your body to science so important to medical students. Let's begin with something that you might not know about whole body donation, and that is, Kelsey wants you to be aware that your gift won't necessarily help discover a new treatment or help cure any particular disease.
1: Whole bodies are utilized by medical schools to teach anatomy. But what we are not doing is tailored research. We're not going to be able to say, directly promote the finding of a cure for a certain disease that may be important to a donor's family and they may think they want to donate their loved one's body to that particular effort but what i like to say to them is to turn it around and think about that donation furthering medicine as a whole so educating incoming young doctors dentists physical therapists physicians assistants and helping those future healers Uh, work toward medicine as a whole and finding those cures as um, a scientific community. You know, I
0: guess I'm kind of surprised that um, we still need bodies. Uh, it, It seems kind of an analog experience as opposed to doing it through some digital virtual reality kind of scenario. What's the advantage of actually having a body in the lab with me to learn with?
1: Sure. At our program, we like to say that we foster the humanity in human anatomy. And what that means to us is that uh, there's a certain element that you can't get from a textbook or even as good as some of the virtual atlases may be, um, that that's a resource to look to, say, a virtual dissector and be able to zoom in on structures. Uh, Those are very cool. But first of all, how did that get made? It got made through somebody's anatomical gift that was a body donor. Um, but also for our students, we think of our donors as their first patient. And we're trying to graduate well-rounded, healing healthcare professionals. Uh, so we want them to stay in touch with the humanity of their first patient and their own humanity. And uh, body donation and the ultimate dissection that happens at the medical school is a rite of passage for these students that um we think attracts them to the universities in indiana that are able through our, the generous gifts of our donors to offer them that opportunity so let me just
0: be clear about that are, are are my are the students who are going to be working on me do they know me do they know my name do they know anything about me at all
1: they know some limited information. We keep it um, within the confines of HIPAA and how uh, we would treat just in any other healthcare context, personal health information. So the students that are working with a donor, they will know the donor's sex, obviously, their age, um, their occupation, the cause of their death according to their physician on the death certificate Uh, we do not share during the course personal identifier information like names or the town you're from but families and students can share that information after the course has concluded if they choose to
0: so when I'm uh, in in the dissection lab Uh, Is it going to be one group of students that I'm going to be working with this whole time or is my body kind of shared among a group of students?
1: A little of column A, a little of column B. Uh, A first patient is assigned to a group of usually four to six students that are assigned to that pod. They'll work specifically with that donor, kind of take ownership of that donor uh, through the course of the semester or the school year. However, uh, we do have obviously an opportunity to learn from each other. We do peer teaching in our labs. So that may mean that the students are shifting around to see interesting structures all throughout the lab. And in that way, get to you know take advantage of all of the gifts that have been made but generally speaking there's one first patient uh, to a group of four to six students
0: how long am i going to be um, in that lab how long will you be using my remains
1: Our program can take up to two years from the time of death through to the cremation and return to the family. Um, It can be as short as a couple months. It just depends on the needs of the school at the time and what classes are forming. Uh, But we like to make sure that all donor families are aware up to two years. And you'll hear from us uh, at the conclusion of the class.
0: And then what happens? I'd assume... You're returning, I'm assuming you're cremating my remains and then returning them to me. But but then what? How does that happen?
1: Sure. Yes, all donors are individually cremated at the conclusion of their lab. And then we contact the next of kin with a letter and we wait for that letter to be returned to us. It's kind of a form where the donor family will specify their preferences and uh, sign it and return it to us and the options there are to return an urn with an in-person appointment. You can come see us at our offices in Indianapolis and we'll sit down with you, talk about the class that your loved one was a part of, return the urn with the cremated remains. Uh, Most of our families, since we're a statewide program, can't necessarily pop over to Indy easily, so we utilize the United States Postal Service. And they do have a very regimented structure. Those packages are well marked um, and they're handled accordingly. They, they know that we have human remains uh, inside that securely boxed urn. So we send those with signature required and insured. Um, and the final option is for donor families to allow us to lay their loved one to rest at Crown Hill Cemetery here in Indianapolis. We have a section that's dedicated to um, memorialization and a space for reflection. So any donor families are welcome um, to visit that site. It's section 41 at Crown Hill Cemetery. And we invite donor families who lay their loved ones to rest there to join us for a gravesite service every fall. That is
0: Kelsey Byers. She is the head of the anatomical education program at the IU School of Medicine. You know, I'm, I'm kind of really on the fence about this one. I see the need, and I kind of like the thought that my body could help train new doctors who could help thousands of people over the course of their careers versus the handful of people that I could help as an organ donor. So, you know, I'd like to know what your thinking on that is. So shoot me a text at 46862-46862. Let me know what you're thinking about right now about that and and any other questions you have about this process. So, exactly what is that process to donate your body? What papers do you have to sign? Can your family keep it from happening? If they disagree, can they step in after your death to block that process? And when you donate, does anyone profit? Does it save you money? We're going to talk about all of that and much more as we continue here on the Health Call Live Radio Hour on WoWo. You're listening to Health Call Live, your regular Saturday morning appointment with healthcare professionals, where treatment is always painless and there's never a copay. Here's your host, health and wellness correspondent Lee Kelso. So, we are talking this half hour about donating your body to science. So, I'm going to repeat that disclaimer. If that makes you a little uneasy, fair warning. You know what to do. So, I connected with Kelsey Byers. She is the director of the IU School of Medicine's anatomical education program. When you donate your body, it's assigned to a team of medical students who will donate your body, uh, who will study your body in a dissection lab for a period of up to two years. And there is a video version of this interview that's up right now on the Health Call Live website, a little longer more detail than we had the time to get into here if you want to see that you can go check it out but let's begin moving away now from what happens in the lab and more to what happens as part of the process how do you get engaged how do you donate your body what is that process and what does it mean and here's the big question a lot of people ask once i sign the paperwork can i change my
1: mind Yeah, absolutely. Things change. People move, uh, get remarried, priorities change. Kids step in and say, oh, mom, do you really want to do that? Um, And at any point, any registered donor can call us up and let us know or um, revoke their permission, their certificate of bequeasal in writing, and we will happily unenroll anyone who's decided that body donation is no longer for them.
0: So you would never know though. I mean if when I pass away, it's up to my family to notify you. So if they don't want to do this, they can kind of muck things up, right?
1: That is true. We do rely on somebody to call us to report an enrolled donor's passing. So at the time of registration, we're gonna supply our donors with a letter stating uh, that we acknowledge their registration, thank them for their altruism, and we also send a wallet card. So similar to the heart on your license that denotes you're an organ donor, this is something that you can have right next to your license that states your whole body donor has our phone number there. Um, but we do rely on a healthcare professional a first responder or a family member to give us a call at the time. So for families that aren't quite on the same page, there is a possibility just to not go forward with the donation at that point. We do hope that donors, when they register, discuss this with their families and make sure that everybody is um, has their questions answered and everybody's on the same page.
0: And where does this process start? I'm assuming online. I go to your website, which we'll show everybody and put the link in the description below. But uh, how? what's that first step?
1: Perfect. Yeah, most people... Uh, Still call us, just ring us up on the phone and ask for information. We mail out a lot of information packets, and if everything sounds good, um, fill out the two forms. There's a certificate of bequeathal, that's the legal Gift. We want two witness signatures on that form. That's the individual person filling out uh, their name, address, social, date of birth, and stating their intention to donate their body for education to the anatomical education program.
0: What would disqualify me if I still want to have uh, be an organ donor, for example? Is that possible in, in this uh, process of bequeathal?
1: The most that one can donate to an outside organization would be the eyes. Corneal donation or whole eye donation is okay. It doesn't interrupt the anatomy that we need to have in place uh, for our educational uses. But any more invasive interruption of the anatomy like an autopsy or donating organs or tissues beyond the eyes, unfortunately, that would disqualify someone. There are also height and weight restrictions and some certain conditions. So we have a list of infectious diseases, which does include COVID-19, pneumonia. Um, We'll run through a list of infectious conditions to make sure none of those are present. Uh, The body donors must have a body mass index or BMI calculation of 30 or below. You can Do a web search for a body mass index calculator, if you're curious.
0: And in doing the research uh, that brought me to you, I discovered that there are a number of not-for-profits and maybe even for-profit corporations out there that are kind of broadly known as body brokers. Um, how How is what they do different than what academic programs like IU does?
1: Academic body donation is always done not for a profit and for the purposes of educating the next generation of healers that come through our distinct institutions. Body brokers are in business and the business that they run is um, selling the product that is human bodies or human body parts. while it is a donation to science in that they may have criteria for who utilizes this human tissue um, it's not the same in that they are profiting off of donations and they aren't overseen like an academic institution is by an internal review board they aren't governed by state or federal statute so i would caution anyone exploring body donation to be sure that you understand whether you're going to be part of an institution with a reputation.
0: But let's just tell it like it is. Some, in some cases, bodies are disarticulated is the phrase that's often used. So they are segmented. Mm-hmm. And one part might go here. Another part might go there. They might be used to train orthopedic surgeons. So you may have a portion of the body with that joint going someplace to be used in training for that. Um, there is also processing that occurs. Um, there, there are a lot of different ways the body, our human body, has a great amount of value, and there are people who have discovered that. Mm-hmm. So, what's the question I need to ask if I if I if I if I do connect with somebody like that? What? How do I know the right thing to ask about how I want my body to be used?
1: Well, you can ask about simply, as you said, how will my body be used? Will my body be kept whole? Um, if that's important to you. Some people may not be bothered, as you say, the the process of disarticulation that could take place. Um, However, I think it is incumbent on any of us as we're exploring these options to uh, be sure that we understand the ethical standards, ask questions about will, are your donors treated with dignity? Are the labs that they are sent to uh, inspected? How is all of this overseen? And see if you're comfortable with the answers you get to those questions.
0: Let's wrap this up with a sense of just how important is this to a medical student?
1: Our students... I don't think they know going into the lab how impactful this is going to be for them, however many years ago. It's, as I said earlier, a rite of passage that these students are gonna remember and take forward with them. So every patient they touch, uh, a little part of their healing presence and whatever they're able to accomplish with their career is gonna be due to that gift that the body donor made to allow them to get that education.
0: So that is Kelsey Byers. She is the head of the IU, or excuse me, Indiana University School of Medicine Anatomical Education Program. If you would like to learn more about the process of donating your body to science, you can just Google IU Body Donation. That's probably the Fastest way to get you to the website where you're going to find all the information, the forms, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not sure somebody asked a question, so I just want to make sure we got this clear. You can have a traditional funeral process and a stage one embalming um, prior to body donation. So you can have a traditional service uh, just as normal, and then your funeral home will notify uh, the School of Medicine and they will take it from there. And if you choose to not have a funeral service, you can. And donate directly to the IU school, and therefore, all the costs of uh, preparation of the body and, and is out of your hands. So, somebody asked, Can I save money with this process? And the answer is absolutely yes, you can. That might be one way to do it. If you'd like to learn more again, you can go just Google IU body donation and you'll find it all there. All right, Uh, in the second half hour here, we're going to be talking with Dr. Matthew Sutter. He is the Allen County Health Commissioner. Uh, Talking about COVID but other things. Kind of want to hear from his point of of view. What did we get right? What What did we get wrong? How are we going to be more prepared going forward? What are the big lessons from COVID? And just, you know, where are we at now? What's around the corner? All of that is coming up as we continue here on the Health Co Live Radio Hour on WoWo.